welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is El Ducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O, and you can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as El Ducho Thrift. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing a reseller that I met online a few years ago, but have been following her journey ever since, and her name is V. You can find V on Instagram under the username Tell Your Friends Sportswear, and all of that information will be in the show notes of this episode for you. V is a part-time reseller and an expert in identifying Lululemon styles and what activewear sells. As a youth worker, community organizer, and grant writer, she empowers low-income communities, refugee communities, and drives political action. With a master's degree in education and a teaching license, she seamlessly transitions between roles, leaving a lasting impact on the communities she serves. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, V. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Hi. (laughs) I've never had somebody sing their hi. Oh, this is a dream come true. When you asked me to, I was like... I'm living my dream. <laughs> you keep saying that. It's, I listen, I'm honored that you feel honored, but I'm honored to have you here. So <laughs> thank you for saying that. It makes me feel real special, but I want to make you feel real special now for the next hour. And I want to ask you all the questions about UV and your reselling journey, because, you know, I see stuff on social media, but I want to, I want to get to know you a little bit better. How's that sound? Splendid. Splendid. Wonderful. Okay. Well, my first question for you, V, is tell me about yourself and how your life has led you to reselling. Wow. That's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Well, I am a a sink, a single income, no kids, and (laughs) have had a job most of my adult life, all of my adult life. I went to college and started working as a youth director and then fell into grant writing. And then one day on a mission trip in Los Angeles, I fell into reselling. And I think that being an adult and being successful as an adult and also as a reseller is just about mastering the art of the pivot, constantly being willing to pivot with, you know, changes in your life and changes in the industry and changes in a need to make income. And yeah, so one day I was just staring at this pair of fry boots that I hadn't worn in a while in my own closet. And I thought, could I sell that? And I thought maybe I could, maybe it would have some value. And they were listed for over a year along with a few other items. And then I was in LA and I got a notification that a pair of shorts sold on Poshmark. (laughs) And it took me a full seven days to ship them because I was not in town. And I had bought a pair of leggings in LA that I needed to wear for one of our service projects. I hadn't taken any pants with me. I only took shorts. And I was like, oh, I'll just sell them when I get home. And I did. And then it just kind of happened slowly like that. And then I was in grad school because I thought to myself, I should get a teaching license, you know, so I have something to do if youth ministry ever runs out because, you know, pivot. And (laughs) when I was in grad school, that was about the time that I discovered Instagram. 
not Instagram itself, but the reselling side of Instagram, I actually had no idea that that whole community existed for probably my first year and a half of reselling. I remember discovering it around the time that Posh Fest was in Phoenix, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, there are people that are clearly making a living doing this. So I decided that once school was done, because school was very intense, you know, when you're in a student teaching job, you're literally working for free for nine months. And so I said, you know, when this is done, I'm going to hit this thing hard. And I remember the week after I got done with grad school, I went to the thrift store. I spent $30 on activewear. I took it to my CrossFit gym and I sold it all on one Saturday morning and like quadrupled my money. And I thought there's something here. (laughs) And then just, you know, piece by piece, like learning on Instagram, never really fell into like the YouTube rabbit hole of content, but learning on Instagram and Reddit, Google, Google is free. That's what I say. (laughs) I just learned how to resell slowly, but surely. And you know, have been able to create an income and, you know, gain some followers in the process, but mostly just have the opportunity to be obnoxious on the internet now and sell you leggings. (laughs) I like it. That's an interesting combination. I know. Okay. I, I have some questions. I took some notes here. I have one question that's totally not related to any necessarily about (laughs) about your reselling journey you mentioned doing grant writing yeah is that is that something you still do yes okay so tell me this how much has chat gpt changed the grant writing industry i actually do not appreciate artificial intelligence for writing because because I'm a copy editor and I write copy for grants, I want Got to it. piece together every word and sentence and phrase that I'm articulating and allowing a robot to do that based off of what they might know. It's never going to be as good as me just spitting stream of consciousness and then editing it. I, Very- I tried, I tried chat GP, not chat GPT, but another one that I had found on TikTok from a reseller, I I tried it to put together some descriptions and I did not like them. I thought this is a recipe for returns. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like, as somebody who does grant writing, then is your competition chat GPT? Do you think people are using it more? I mean, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) But you know that it's, I'm not going to say it's a slippery slope because that would be the wrong use of that logic term that gets misused all the time, but (laughs) it is a, it's a dangerous line to walk because you could get lazy and not edit the copy and then not know what's in there or the content could be inaccurate. Yeah. So would not recommend. I just, I just wouldn't recommend it for anything that has any kind of value in your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Just curious because it's just seems like it's basically anything that involves writing these days. uh, A lot of people are using that as a tool or a crutch, if you will. (laughs) I would recommend other tools like hiring a copy editor or using (laughs) Grammarly. 
because those at least it's like spell check gives you the opportunity to double check it. Right. Um, but are people going to read all the copy? I doubt mm-hmm. it. You want to use chat GPT to write your art history paper by all means, mm-hmm. but <laughs> for things that matter to you, maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Okay. Moving on back to your story here. I just got a little sidetracked. So you, you mentioned that on the mission trip to LA, that's when you first sold your item. You had already listed items a, mm-hmm. a year prior. Cause you had those fry boots on as well as the shorts. And Well, it took the fry boots a year to sell. Okay. I think items were listed for five months before I sold something. Okay. So it took five months. Okay. So mm-hmm. question, why do you think it took five months? I mean, there could be some obvious answers here, but I just am wondering, you know, what, what were those things? Like, I, didn't what were those know, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know right. that you needed to share all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that there were bots yet. It didn't take me long to figure it out, but you know, cause Google is free, but I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I wasn't in the community and I wasn't, I was just figuring it out on my own, you know, like right. it's kind of been a self-starter and it wasn't really a priority to me at the time, obviously, if the stuff was just kind of sitting there listed and then, you know, I didn't even bother to put my closet on vacation mode. I didn't even know what that was. Right. And my interaction with Poshmark up until that point had been some Facebook friends listing their old like Abercrombie and Nordstrom t-shirts and sharing them on their Facebook feed and me wondering why would anybody want to buy your old shirt for $12? Um, <laughs> you know, cause I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. that there was a market for used clothing and like, look at me now I'm getting paper. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. So, yeah. you know, I no, that that makes sense. I mean, do you feel like these are the obvious answers that I would have thought would have been looking back on those listings and saying your pricing was too high or your pictures didn't look that great? I mean, were those other factors or do you feel like you kind of had that stuff down early on? No, I had some of that figured out just based on how I would want to shop. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes when I look at listings, I get frustrated because I'm looking for something and I think the person that is going to sell me the item I want is actually probably going to have a really undescriptive listing because Mm -hmm. they're just selling their fry boots, but I'm looking for fry boots in a size 9.5 in this style, in this color. And it's going to take me a long time to find the boot because somebody else didn't put all that information in. And so I always had the information in there. I also had like a tiny bit of experience, you know, growing up with dial-up internet and the internet of old eBay, of Mm -hmm. buying on eBay and knowing what a good listing would look like. So my listings weren't bad. I mean, they weren't great. My pictures, I mean, it was like, it was the iPhone three or something like (laughs) this is not it was not amazing content, but you know, it got the job done. Right. Yeah. But it it was mostly just, I wasn't sharing and I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. So you sell that item. It takes you those full seven days to (laughs) ship. Right. (laughs) And then you ship (laughs) morning. Yeah. Well, everybody learns. So then you purchase those leggings in LA and they sold 
did they sell pretty quickly? I mean, I'm like, what yeah, sort of sold, leggings are we talking were, about? They were Zella okay. leggings and when Zella leggings were very popular. And I remember mm-hmm. I paid $7 at, what is that place called? Like out of the closet on Sunset Boulevard. They're like $7 and they sold for probably like 25 in a couple weeks. If that, when I got home. Oh, so okay. It and was then, starting. The wheels were turning, but I was The wheels were turning for you. Okay. So that was yeah. my next question is just, you know, you mentioned that from kind of that point, you went to grad school. And then it, once you had finished grad school, you went to the thrift store. And was that the time that you thought like, okay, I'm really going to start? Like what, why was it after? I mean, again, obvious answers in here probably somewhere but why was it after grad school that you thought okay now I really want to try this I didn't want to get a teaching job necessarily so the pivot to teaching was because I had a restricted license because our district was so desperate for subs so I got this restricted license that was good for three years to substitute teach and I thought this is really good money they pay really well it'd be nice to always have this so I was I decided to get my teaching license, like full credential so that I could never lose that income. I could always be a sub. And so I didn't necessarily go to school to become a teacher with my own classroom right away. Um, I really wanted to go back to what I was doing and the money is just so good. You know, that cash flow, like when it starts and (laughs) the wheels were turning, it was it was 2018, 19, and I was still selling on Poshmark, but just, you know, a few items here or there, I would go to the thrift and pick up a few things or, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. I I might've had a hundred listings maximum. It was when I was done with school that I said, let's just like, see what we can do with this. And that was April of 2019. And as we all know, within 11 months, the world was on fire. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the COVID shutdown happened, my business was just getting ramped up and sales were really good. And there, the opportunity was there. It was hard to get inventory, but mm-hmm. the opportunity was there. And so the COVID shutdown actually gave me a lot of extra time to build my business. And it just, it just went from there, you know, it just. Right. Okay. So (laughs) you you mentioned, sorry, going back just a little bit, you mentioned that there was the the instance of you going to the thrift store and buying a bunch of leggings and selling Mm -hmm. them at, Mm -hmm. you sold them at the CrossFit gym. Yeah, I sold them to my friends during a Saturday workout. I had a friend, Alexis, in my class who she wanted some new clothes. And I was like, oh, well, like, I'm going to go sourcing. Like, I'll see if I can find anything that you might want. And so everything I bought that trip, I took to the gym the next day. And I used to sell out of my Prius all the time at the gym when I was a member to all the girls. It was funny. Like, I would get new inventory. And this is probably like the first year that I was like hitting it hard, you know? Yeah. And uh, we would call it the Prius kiosk and (laughs) we would open the back and it would just be like sports bras, leggings, tanks, like CrossFit specific brands, anything I found, Um, like the girls got first dibs. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of my Instagram, you know, like four or five years, you'll see flat lays on like yoga mats. 
because I used <laughs> to sell product or I would, I would like the whole fresh post that I post now when I list, I would do like fresh posts when, the, when the items would come in. So they could tell me if they wanted to try something on before I listed it. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. And I'm curious about pricing. Like what were you selling items for out of the uh, Prius kiosk? Two times my cost, usually three times my cost if I could. I mean, if I was buying, if I was buying a sports bra for like $5, I was selling it for like 12 to 15. If Mm -hmm. I was, you know, if I paid up for leggings, I would sell them for double. I mean, my, my ASP was probably between like 18 and $35. Are you tired of spending hours sharing and sending offers to likers? Introducing Posher VA, the web program that will save you time and increase your sales. With Posher VA, you can automatically share your closet, send offers to likers, and schedule your share times all with just a few clicks. Using code ELDUCHO, you can try Posher VA for two weeks for free, no credit card required. Posher VA is not just another program, it is your program. Say goodbye to manual sharing and hello to even more time in your business. Try Posher VA today using code ELDUCHO, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. Okay, I mean, you know, doubling your costs, like initially Mm -hmm. that might sound low to some people, but given the fact that you're doing it in person, Mm -hmm. all cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, a quick flip. It's like, no, it's not bad. <laughs> it's yeah. actually pretty good. And it was very like low key. I wasn't really sure what I was doing yet. I didn't know where it was going. It was right. just, it was fun, you know? And yeah. So in that, was there opportunity from anybody at the gym to get free clothing or consign <laughs> items for people? I mean, were people interested in doing that with you? Mm-hmm. So that happened kind of naturally where I would consign items for different girls at the gym and just split, you know, post fees, 50, 50, they would trade for product. Um, it just kind of evolved over time. And, and there will be times where like, I would sell them something. And obviously we're in a CrossFit gym. Like everybody's getting like super ripped, super fit. And then like two months later, they would outgrow those items and just give them back to me to consign. <laughs> and I would sell them a second time. Or they would, they would sell them to each other. It was like, they saw what I was doing and they were like, oh, well, do you want to buy this? Or like, right. Smart. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of bartering that would go on with different things. Or we are, my gym had a Facebook group. So if I was thrifting and I saw a pair of lifters, I would just take a picture and be like, does anybody want these? And I would add like a finder's fee basically. So gotcha. they got okay. first on a lot. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you, you taught them to how to be savvy, savvy little hustlers <laughs> at the CrossFit. <laughs> like that. So, one of the things that I feel like I knew about you early on in social media was your knowledge of Lululemon. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, you know, where that came from, I'm guessing <laughs> from the CrossFit gym, but to have a, a really strong knowledge of, of the brand comes from either somewhere, right? Either being a former employee, an investor in the company, (laughs) or just a heavy purchaser of their products or a historian of Lululemon. Where do you fall in? What category are you? Gosh, a a complete accident. 
like a complete accident. So I joined my first CrossFit gym, I think in early 2019. So I was at two gyms and it was at the first gym that I realized how popular Lulu was amongst CrossFitters. There's a lot of niche brands, you know, like Fleo, Born Primitive, Blenders, Noble, but Lulu is kind of the standard for the men and the women. And I noticed that everyone was wearing it. Everyone had it. So it kind of became my mission to find it. And I remember the first few times I found it, I about had a panic attack. I was so excited and it sold so quickly. And so I started picking it up every time I found it. And then obviously over time, you discover fanatics. And at first, Lulu Fanatics is a really clunky website. It it still is truthfully a really clunky website. But if you know how to navigate it and you know how to use keywords and you know the fabric types, you can find things pretty rapidly, even if you have no idea what they are. I've learned a lot about the color codes, the coding on the, on the like sizing itself, the kinds of dots, the different eras of the dots. And most of that came from just selling it. So I've sold, if I look, let me look, I'm very curious. You got me all, <laughs> you got me all curious now, Denali. Okay, hold on. Just on Poshmark, just on Poshmark. Yeah. Um, I've sold, let's do all time. Because obviously I don't just sell on Poshmark. Okay, my all-time Lululemon sales on Poshmark are forty-one thousand dollars. Wow, and it's a lot of Lululemon. It's a lot of Lulu, and that's just that's just Poshmark. That's not you know to my friends. That's not eBay. That's not right. Depop. That's not my first Mercari where I sold oh so much Lululemon, but. Yeah, it's it's just the experience with the brand. And then in 2021, I, you know, started offering the ID service because I, I noticed that when I use the stock image, the product sold for twice as much. Right. And, and when I knew what the product was, it sold for more. Or if I knew certain styles that were sought after, it would sell for more. And that really, the identification service really just became more about uh, being a consultant for people. Mm-hmm. Than, so not just telling them what they have, but telling them what to price it at. Like this is oh. what you really be selling this for because this is what this is really worth, you know, or I can tell people like, this is really old, like, <laughs> sorry, you're not going to get very much for it. Or like, stop picking up this style. You yeah. Know? You didn't charge a lot for it. I mean, it was pretty nominal fee that you were asking, right? No, I, I still do it. I charge $3 for any item except black pants because they take so long to find if they're obscure. So black pants are $5. I still do it. I still do it. And I have, I have regulars. I have people that, you know, I'll get the little Venmo notification, like bing, sent you $3. And I'm like, Oh, to Instagram, I go. <laughs> like, right. Right. Changes, but mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So, you know, I, I have a couple questions here about the Lululemon. The first mm-hmm. one, you know, you mentioned stock images, which I mean, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different feelings about using right. stock photos. <laughs> that that part aside, you know, as a seller myself, I know that Lululemon is one of those companies that will come after you for using them, not in terms of like suing you or whatever. I mean, I'm sure they maybe could, but I'm more thinking of they'll just have your listings taken down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
also, can you speak to, you know, your process for using stock images? Like, are there certain platforms you do use them on or you don't use them on or mm -hmm. certain images you would recommend using or don't recommend using? Yeah. So of that 41,000 that has been sold, I think I've had five ever removed from Poshmark to mm -hmm. this month. One was an item that was like made within the last couple of years. One was an item that was way older. I find that Lulu kind of goes through maybe some spurts and it's definitely AI doing it because they took down a collage one time, which shouldn't show up as like their image because it's been edited so many times. Yeah. But eBay, I don't think I've ever had one removed on eBay. Mercari, I won't touch a stock image on Mercari because I, I did a whole post on this at one point. I do not recommend using stock images on Mercari ever because they have like a three strikes you're out rule and then mm. they'll, block, they'll block your IP. And if you get blocked and banned from Mercari, you have to have a new phone number, a new bank account, a new IP, a new username, a new device. Mm -hmm. um, it's a whole process to get back on there. So I just wouldn't recommend it. And Vendu makes it really easy now to just, you know, delete the stock from that platform before it gets published. So I've been able to push my stuff over. The downside of that is that because I include stock images in my listings, I don't rely on my photos being amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of that on Mercari, my images aren't as bright as, you know, somebody using a stock image or somebody that has like a better light kit or, you know, right. or daylight or whatever it is. So, but yeah, that's all I would say. I, there's certain brands, obviously I won't use stock images for, you know, like Gymshark and I feel like it's like the Chico's family of brands. I don't remember mm -hmm. the mall yeah. brands, but I don't sell a lot of that anyway. So gotcha. Yeah. So speaking to Lululemon, now as a brand and you mentioned that when you first went to the thrift store and picked it up how excited you were and obviously that was many years ago <laughs> you know how do you feel about the brand now in for resale does it ex does it excite you as much is there good money still left to be made in lululemon yeah i think that the demand was higher during the COVID shutdown because of the supply chains. Um, and that is when my stuff was going for very high top dollar. But I do think there is still money to be made. I think the range is just wider than it used to be. I actually got into a, a nice little tissy with my friends last week because they told me that $55, $50 on a pair of men's ABC pants was good and average. And I said, oh no, 75 to 95 minimum, like all day long. And then this guy came back and made the offer a few days later for 55. And I just took it because I was just like <laughs> annoyed and like sales weren't going great at the time. And so I took it. And then like three days later, I sold a pair of ABC pants for $90. And I was like, what did I tell you guys? Like <laughs> there are certain styles that just carry a higher weight and a higher dollar number. The ABC pants, the hottie hot short, the defined jacket, the scuba hoodie, the aligned tank, the, the aligned full length legging, especially if it's black, like 
very specific prints. Like I could go on and on and on colors, Sonic pink. Like there are, there are things that are still top dollar. That being said, because I now have sources where I can pick up Lululemon in a plethora, I can be picky. You know, interesting. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm done picking up a tank top. If it's not an aligned tank, a cool racerback two, not one, two, an ebb to street and in the flow. I I have very specific product. I will pick up swiftly, obviously every time. I don't care how old it is. Like I'll pick it up, but yeah, I'm just, I can be pickier now. Okay. So in, in what you just said, you told you gave a lot of great information in terms of styles to pick up, colors, prints, all of that. I'm curious, can you tell me, I don't know, let's say five. Is there five styles or colors just all together that you would not pick recommend people pick up? Yes. Do not pick up the Lululemon tank top with a built-in bra unless it's a no limits tank above size six. People what think- is a no limits? What does that mean? Uh, the no limits is a style and it has like a built-in bra with like a okay. tank top over it. And it kind of like has a band at the waist. You would know it if you saw it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Those above like a size six, like six, eight, 10. I feel like 10 is the best size in that thing. I still sell, sell those for like 35 to $45. People love them. They love that there's a bra and a tank in one, but I wouldn't pick up anything of that style. This is kind of like sizes, but I do not pick up a lot of size two. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. pick up any zero. Uh, I'm afraid of it. Um, <laughs> I, what else do I not pick up? Um, oh, I don't pick up like the run inspires, the cropped, like older styles. If the size dot doesn't have numbers all the way around it, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want it unless I know what it is. So like a spring breakaway short, the original, they made them in retro a few years later. The newer ones sell very quickly because, you know, people search for it by a certain name, but the Mm -hmm. older ones still carry a lot of value. The speed ups across the board still carry value. The hottie hots across the board carry value. The men's Kung Fu sweatpant still carries value because they only made it once. And these men love those sweatpants. I don't know what that's about. Um, I'm like well, okay. my own inventory going, what would I not pick up? No, it's okay. Those, that's um, great. You gave some great examples there. I'm mm-hmm. wondering, you know, because just personally, right. As another reseller, sometimes when I'm out thrifting, I see Lululemon pieces and there's no care tag, which means mm-hmm. no size, no size tag on the care tag, which, mm-hmm. and then let's also say that, you know, the little size dot is also gone. Do you then avoid anything that has no sizing information? No. So I pick up shirts because like the love tee or the back in action tee are very popular uh, styles. And the only sizing information for that would be on the pull tag. 
So I just measure it pit to pit and I've sold so much of it that I know this, the sizes. The other thing I'll say is that people would ask me early on, how do you know what size it was if it doesn't have a dot? And I, to that, I would say, well, you know, I have 50 pieces in my closet. So I just pull right. out another size six tank and kind of hold it up to that shirt and figure out what size it was. It wasn't even until like the last year and a half that I actually started putting the pit to pit measurement on things. I would just say it's a six. <laughs> like I <I'm, laughs> you can you know, and I only had one return ever. For yeah. like, it's the wrong size. And I'm like, I apologize. It measured like this. And having that knowledge of the, of the styles and the brands really helps me when I'm sourcing. And when I do my live thrift, you know, people are, my, one of my friends says to me when I go sourcing with her, she says, well, if it's good, why aren't you buying it? And I'm like, well, I, I'm just offering this to you. Like, do you want this? Do you want to sell this? Like, there's good money. Yeah. In this. Like, right. I taught her about dojo jeans. I was like, do you want these jeans? Like, she's like, well, why aren't you getting them? And I'm like, because I'm trying to give them to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's the one thing I learned early on in reselling was like, there's enough for all of us. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to go hungry because I'm not buying this one shirt. So when I'm live thrifting, you know, I'm able to identify pieces for people on the live and sell them to them on the spot, you know, just above my cost and be like, well, this is a back in action shirt and you should really buy it. You know, like yeah, there's resale in this. And I say, I sell this for this. I sell this for this. And, you know, you build that trust and, and people, you know, listen. So that's Got why, it. that's why it's not all in my cart. Cause I don't need to buy it all. Like, right. You have some. <laughs> right. Share the wealth. I know firsthand how exhausting it can be to manage all the tasks in my reselling business, like listing, bookkeeping, and more. But I've found a solution that has given me back my time and allowed me to grow my business, hiring a virtual assistant. And now I want to share that solution with you. That's why I've created an online course called Hiring a Virtual Assistant for Your Reselling Business. With this course, you'll learn everything you need to know to find, train, and manage a virtual assistant like a pro. And because I want to make this course accessible to everyone, I'm offering a special coupon code, Flip the Script, that gives you $10 off at checkout. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your reselling business to the next level. Sign up now at hiringava.com and let's enjoy the freedom and fun of growing our businesses together. Again, you can sign up at hiringava.com. Okay, I have two I have two more questions about Lululemon and then I promise I'll go away from it. Okay. So <laughs> my first of the two is do you think with Lululemon because activewear, right? It's getting mm-hmm. some heavy use. Is there value in flawed Lululemon or do you avoid it like the plague? There is value in flawed Lululemon. How flawed? Because, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll see a pair of leggings and there's some pilling in the inseam mm-hmm. area. In the gusset? Mm-hmm. Yep. We love a clean gusset. Um, <laughs> what we say. Uh, <laughs> what the community says. No. So a line material is made of Luan or like Nulu, I think is the new fabric. It pills. It pills. People, people know it pills. Let's say I find a pair of size eight perfect condition aligns. Okay. They're going to sell for $10 below retail. Uh, they'll sell for retail if they're sold out in that size. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if they have pilling, they'll sell for 30 to 40% off retail, which is still $50. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's value in flawed Lulu. Swiftleys with stains on them, no one cares. I've sold so many white Swiftleys with a spot on them for $30. It just depends on how in demand the product is and what people, what kind of work people are willing to do. Can you also remove stains? I'm pretty good at removing stains. I have a, mm-hmm. I have a powerful little concoction called laziness and, <laughs> and in a concoction and those two things together usually get the stain out within a few days. So. Okay, great. Okay. So then my, yeah, my next of the two is that if somebody, you know, listening to this podcast is thinking, well, I want to sell Lululemon, mm-hmm. but I just don't ever find it in the area that I live or source in. Do you have any tips for that? I mean, should they source online or, or are they just out of luck? Well, I would not recommend going to the outlet and paying outlet prices and trying to flip it for close to retail prices because the girlies know. The girlies know what went to We Made Too Much and what went to clearance. Also, there's a lot of plus-size Lululemon available at the outlets. And believe it or not, Lululemon might be the one brand of plus-size clothing that, that does not hold its value, like, say, Torrid. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't. It's it's never goes out of stock. If you go online to Lulu and, and you're looking for like a pair of aligned leggings, they'll be sold out in the size around of four to 12 and they'll be available in every other size. So it just, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight of demand, I guess. I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure what it is, but when I couldn't get my hands on inventory in general, during the shutdown, I would go on Poshmark and I would search Lululemon and like Lululemon shorts. I wanted shorts and I would go to Just In. I might filter by like up to $20 because at that time I could pay 20 and sell them for 45 to 55 pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. it was just like a quick double up, got a lot of attention in my closet. And then I would look for a seller that was not a reseller listing a lot, like listing their personal closet. And as fast as my little fingers could move, I would add it to a bundle and drop a low ball. Mm-hmm. Like I fast as I could. I would add every single piece of Lululemon they had in their closet to a bundle and be like, you want to sell it all right now? And I would put in a comment, I'm a reseller, like Mm -hmm. happy to buy all of this off of you. You know, like I wasn't trying to be sneaky about it. I would just, Mm -hmm. you know, offer them half because I had to find the margins and like, you know, they have no idea what they're going to get for it. Who knows what it's going to sell for. So and you don't know what they want. You don't know what how much money they want and what they want to get for it. But you can do that. You can also uh, go on Curtsy. I have a, a code that I use um, and that I give out. It's like $10 off your first purchase or something. But what I would do is go on Curtsy, <laughs> type Lululemon, filter low to high for sale, free shipping, And then I buy product on there all the time, even without that $10 code, I buy product on there. Like, especially if it's like a more rare item Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm willing to pay a little bit more for, or, you know, I want for myself, but, and I know that like ThreadUp has stuff. I know that people have gotten it in their ThreadUp boxes. I put a lot of ads out on 
Facebook during the shutdown also saying, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking for these brands and people have found me. It's, if you want to sell it, you can find it. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot of like creativity, I think. And just, just not being afraid to fail. And like, yeah, I got a lot of trash trust when I was looking for stuff to sell, but you know, I also ended up getting really good consignment from people as a result. Yeah. And people, as people have followed me on social media, like local people, people that, that I don't even like work out with anymore. Just people that I know, they know what I like to sell and they bring me those brands as consignment. So just, yeah, it's like anything, the more people, you know, the more, you know, Right. Yeah. Position yourself as somebody in your community or whatever local area Mm -hmm. as somebody who can sell and then maybe people bring you stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing all of that Lululemon information. I know (laughs) you have probably like a million more things to share. And honestly, I would love to hear it all, but I want to hear more. So, you know, moving along again in my notes that I took here, you mentioned that, you know, once the pandemic came about, I, I mean, the obvious thing here is I'm assuming there was no teaching for you happening at that point, right? Yeah. For like probably five or six months before we were able to take like zoom jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, And even then that was intimidating because every school had a different like system that they were using for homeschool basically. Mm -hmm. So I ended up finding one job at one point that was teaching PE (laughs) interesting Uh, on zoom and that was fun but (laughs) that's the only online teaching I did during the shutdown was PE on zoom got it so you Mm -hmm. were really relying on reselling for income at that time I had a job so I still had my job doing youth ministry but because of the nature of things like I couldn't have youth group I couldn't take the youth out to things like my ministry at the time became a lot of pastoral care. So a lot of calls, a lot of texts, a lot of emails, a lot of dropping coffee off at doors, a lot of, you know, sitting on people's lawns, 12 feet apart, having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ability to like occupy my time looked different. And I always said during the shutdown, like time is a construct, time doesn't exist. Like it doesn't matter when I work, I would end up working from like one to 4 a.m., you know, Mm -hmm. sending emails and continually having to cancel things. And so, and that was, that was about the time clubhouse came around too. So I ended up meeting all these resellers and, and, and learning so much so rapidly and working alongside people remotely, you know, that I just kind of dove into it and it became this amazing income stream. So it just kind of happened. Like I really did fall into reselling. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And I mean, I you know, for it. as not great of a time as the pandemic was, do you feel like it was a good time for your resale business? I mean, you know, I, I know it was really ramping up at that time, but was it fruitful for you? I guess is the term I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was tight for a couple months because all of my sourcing was coming from um, the internet, except I ended up reaching out to a consignment store in my neighborhood that I knew was shut down. And I thought if I'm hurting, they're hurting, right? Mm -hmm. They're hurting. 
So I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I know like the world's shut down right now, but I know you have a rack of Lululemon sitting in the store and I'm willing to buy it off of you. Name your price. And Mm -hmm. they, I couldn't go to the store. Obviously it was shut down, but the owner, you know, dropped it on my porch and I Venmoed them. And I ended up getting like 36 pieces of Lulu, which held me over for a good month and stuff Mm -hmm. was selling top dollar. And then as soon as Oregon allowed for some like minor openings, I was able to schedule an appointment at Plato's Closet to shop. And I had the whole store to myself. Oh, wow. Um, And that was when I met the owner closely. Like that's kind of when we started talking and, you know, became friends or whatever. And I was able to, I went in and bought every piece of Lulu she had. And uh, yeah, and that tied me over for another month. And then shortly after that, that's when, you know, the world opened up with lines everywhere. And, and because I was able to come into just a few things and able to consign for a few people from my gym, I had the cash flow, like the liquid to be able to like really hit it hard when the world opened again. And so that's when I started making bigger purchases was as soon as we were able to shop again. And what, you know, around what time was that, would you say? So we were able to do Memorial Day Murph at my gym. So it must have been May of 2020. That Okay. May of 2020? Or I mean, that's still early. Yeah, I'm oh, like, that's a big difference because May 2020 was, was still pretty early, but stuff did start to well, open up. Stuff opened space. and closed again. It closed again. It opened and it closed or like the gyms open, but we had to have the doors open and we had to work out outside. Mm-hmm. So it might have been 2020 and we, yeah, we had to work out outside because I remember, <laughs> but but not everything was open yet. Yeah, it's all a blur, but yeah. Yeah, it, no, I get it. <laughs> the timeline, it was just my reselling journey was very choppy until the shutdown. And then it got less choppy. And then when the world opened, I went full swing. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. what has, if we're saying that it was May of 2020, I guess from May of 2020 until now, again, big time period there. Oof. But what has, full swing meant for you and your business? How have you grown? What platforms do you sell on now? Mm-hmm. Well, I went from making, you know, I remember a, a peak month feeling like I paid $700 extra this month. Wow. This is wild to, for an entire year, I was averaging $3,500 a month on Poshmark alone. And that's when I thought, this is great. We need to keep this up. Um, <laughs> And I did add in Mercari. So at different times, different platforms have been hot. You know, it's the, it's that piece of the pivot. Like, so Poshmark has always been kind of consistently good, except for the algorithm shuffle last year. Mm -hmm. Um, eBay has been a lot of swing and mess and now finally feeling like I'm kind of getting somewhere, but I I still don't have daily sales Mm -hmm. necessarily. Depop was very hot for about a year for me they're going through some algorithm changes now so it's you know messier I got into Amazon shortly after I bought my house 
that was probably one of the biggest milestones for me uh, on a personal financial level of feeling some kind of financial independence because I had rented at below market average rent for 10 years because I had roommates. My rent is embarrassingly low. If I tell you, and and you know what rents are like (laughs) on our coast, when I tell you that I never paid more than $465 all in. Wow place to live with an average of somewhere around 280 the last few years before I bought my house. Yeah, it was historically low. It will never be that low again. Uh, But, but those sacrifices that I made, you know, post-college living like that, living like a college student for an additional 10 years, you know, enabled me to sock away a nice little nest egg. And then when Mm -hmm. you now, when you add the business to the mix and and a year of doing that, you know, 3,500 plus a month, I had, I had a good down payment and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I tried to buy for about a year and, and I kept getting outbid. And I finally just called up my old boss and I said, Hey, do you still have your rental? He said, yeah. I said, sell me your rental, name your price. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up buying, you know, private party for a, a good price, you know, more than I would have paid a year before, but a good price. And, and in doing that, that that was huge because it meant that my business alone was enough to sustain this new life where mm-hmm. you know i could have a house and i could have a, an office for all my stuff in the house and and i didn't have to live with roommates if i didn't want to and i you know have chosen to at different times and i it just it just gave me like a new sense of of financial freedom and for somebody that grew up in so much poverty and has always lived like significantly below their means. It was, it was a really amazing thing for me to be able to, to do that on my own. And, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without reselling. There's no way like I, I never qualified for the loan. I, I barely qualified for the loan and they ended up taking into account my reselling income to do it. So, mm-hmm. and that was with everything I put down. So I ended up having to buy points to bring down my interest rate to mm-hmm. get approved, which was fine. I mean, it's better in the long run, but, um, you know, life is really expensive and it's just given me the ability to, to do that and to, yeah. you know, to have a life and a future. And my, my old office manager used to say like, girl, just go get your piece of the pie. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, go get it. And I'm like, I'm working on it. I'm really trying. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, well, that's amazing that you were able to buy a home. I remember when you posted about that whenever yeah. it was a year or a year and a half ago yeah. at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And I know that you credited, uh, you know, some of it to the resale business, which is kind of amazing because, you know, a lot of people resell for a myriad of different reasons. People do it as side income or it's their full-time income, whatever it might be. It's just interesting to see, you know, where the, where the money is going and mm-hmm. buying a house is certainly, you know, it's the biggest purchase of your life. And so it's kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. It's the house that reselling bought or helped with. I know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy too, because I remember when that got posted and then, you know, Poshmark shared it and just the number of like naysayers that didn't believe me. And I was like, no, really, this is very possible, y'all. I'm really trying to like, I I don't say this to like brag and be like, 
look at this huge milestone in my life, though I was, you know, very proud of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a terrifying thing. And it's like, okay, if you want it, like it's, it's there, like it's out there potentially and it's possible. And I just, it was, it was just wild to me how many people didn't think it was possible. And I was like, no, it is possible. And I had no idea, like what I told you, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that like the Instagram community existed. I didn't know until, you know, I saw those posh fest posts that there were people out there making like a full-time income. But then as I got on Instagram, I saw it was possible. And once you see it's possible, you can like try to chase it. And so I, that's why I said, I, I really dug in and went all in. I gave all my free time. I, I, you know, I say I'm part-time, but I'm not, I have two full-time jobs. Like I, mm-hmm. I work full-time and I do work in my community and, you know, I really care about that. And I love that. And it's because of reselling that I'm able to do that. And it's, it is that pivot, like, the ability for me to make money on the side from, you know, substituting or, or, you know, reselling trash on the internet, that those things are what enable me to be able to stay in ministry as long as I have, because mm-hmm. you don't go into ministry to make money. Like uh, my, mm-hmm. my, my salary, this is embarrassing. Maybe I'm 36 years old. My salary has never topped $38,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Never. I mean, I have some benefits on the side, but like, who can, who can live, you know, on that if you had to walk into a new lease today? So it, it's been such a gift to me because I've been able to do the things that I actually really love doing. And like, I really love my students. I really love doing like our community work together and, you know, relief work and volunteer work and, and writing the grants and building the playgrounds and starting the childcare centers and the little food banks and, you know, all the stuff that I really don't talk about on Instagram ever, but reselling makes it possible. So that's awesome. No, I mean, it's incredible. And I think, you know, just for anyone listening for perspective, you do live in Oregon. So, you know, geographically in terms of salary, if that may sound high or low or whatever, they should have the perspective of, of where you live. I think that adds in some context. Yeah. 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 I mean, my friends are averaging double that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even okay, if I so, took a teaching job, I would make close to double that. But right. Yes. You know. Right. But you're doing work that you love. And, you know, I think that's, that's important. There's value in that. But unfortunately, you know, not every, not every job that you love is necessarily going to match the salary that you might need. And so that's where you know, another job, whether it be reselling or something else can come in to play. So, but you found one that you can do from home. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. You mentioned that you've got an office space in the house. You know, what does your workspace look like? It's messy. Um, <laughs> right now there's a patio chair box full of other boxes. <laughs> An orbital sander because I redid my deck. A drill, um, <laughs> a death <laughs> pile, though not very big right now. Some unlisted halara on the ground. I got some wholesale yesterday. Lots of little widow's closet tags on the ground. It's a mess, but it mm-hmm. works. It's about I think this room is like fourteen by sixteen or fourteen by nineteen. It's good size. It's really the den. 
and I said, <laughs> I like it. That's my office. <laughs> and so do you store all of your, do you store all the inventory in there? Um, I have another room, one of the bedrooms okay. also. So once it's listed, if I, if I don't think it's going to sell really quickly, um, it goes in a different, in a different space, but everything's, I don't, I don't do like the, the tub system, everything hangs. So like okay. all the Western shirts are together, all the pants are together, all the tanks are together, all the Lululemon is together. So I just know where things are kind of quickly when it sells, I can just go grab them. And being that you have a hanging system, how many pieces do you know offhand do you have in your inventory? Right now I'm at clothing wise, 540. Okay. Yeah. It's a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be at six. So, and I I think I can get to six without really noticing that I have (laughs) six. Cause I still have space, believe it or not. Like I got empty space. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a, that's a good manageable amount. Pick up a lot of space. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, with that death pile on the ground, I'm sure you, you know, you've probably got enough to round it, round it out to 600 there. (laughs) You can call it 600 with the pile on the ground, right? I guess. guess, (laughs) Okay. So, you know, in thinking about your business present day, I'm curious, you know, what challenges you feel like you currently face? Oh, wow. I, I had to answer this question in the up and running grant app. My my biggest my biggest struggle has always been that I gain momentum at the wrong time. <laughs> like, mm. like I gain momentum and then the world shuts down. Or like I gain momentum and then a platform goes through an algorithm change. Or, you know, I gain momentum and then the economy takes a hit. And so that's, that's been one of the struggles for sure is like, just feeling like I, I keep hitting plateaus and not, not seeing growth, but, but seeing the consistency is, has a lot of value to me right now. You know, I'm grateful to have any sales right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And time, time is, is a big one. I, you know, comparison really is the thief of joy. You know, if, if I try to compare mm-hmm. myself to, you know, to full-time resellers, and and what they're doing, you can really lose perspective on your reality. Like I can't take all the, you know, influencer jobs. I'm not going to get offered all the influencer jobs because, you know, I'm not spending all my time growing a following. I'm not spending all my time listing to have 1200 active listings, you know, like I, you can't be all things like there's just not enough time in the day to be all things. Yeah. Um, and and I made a great income, man. That when I was making thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. I had two hundred and fifty active listings. I'm making less than that now. Wow. Yeah, with double that. So I, it it really had to do with the kind of inventory I was listing, mm-hmm. um, and you know all the circumstances around it. So t- time is definitely one of them. And I I operate a, a cash system. I'm self funded. So like. For Amazon, I don't put anything on credit. I, I buy what I have cash flow for. So a lot of that comes from, you know, growing up with a parent who had to put everything on credit card and then just seeing the spiral of that and mm-hmm. how it impacts every part of your life. And so I, I've never, I've never wanted to be a person who lives paycheck to paycheck. And so I don't want to put myself in a circumstance where I have to be. So 
or where I could become one, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't necessarily spend as much as I would love to spend and maybe see the benefit of. I mean, I know it's possible that you can take out like a personal loan to buy a pallet, but then like you can get burned on the pallet. So mm-hmm. there's just so many choices that have to be made along the way. And so just making choices that uh, feel, feel safe <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have no one to fall back on. I have nothing to fall back on. It's me. Like, right. There's no spouse bringing home another paycheck. There's no mom and dad to call and get help from. Like there's, there is nothing. So it's just like figuring out a way to like operate the business and be brave and you know, be willing to spend the money to make the money when it's rational and then help. Like, I don't have help. I don't have a VA outside of, you know, Alex and Bob and I don't have, yeah, I just don't have help. You know, I don't have somebody doing my shipping. I don't have somebody prepping a whatnot show or Mm -hmm. somebody who's drafting my listings. I don't pay somebody on Upwork because I, and I know you wrote a course on this or something, but <laughs> I just haven't taken the time to, to look into hiring the VA and seeing if it would be worth it. And when sales are the way they are right now, you know, or when you go through kind of lulls, you're like, is it worth the money? Like, is it, worth yeah. it? will it pay off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a write-off, but like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Is that the best use of my funds. So yeah, no, I get it. It's hard, you know, sometimes I think it kind of goes back to what you were what you've kind of said all along in this interview is right, you don't know what you don't know. And so with those risks, it you know, it's a risk, right? Because you're yeah. thinking, is this going to be a good investment? And not all investments are good investments, right? And if you've done any sort of entrepreneurial journey, you'll learn that along the way. There's going to be things that, I mean, I'm sure, you know, from probably selling on Amazon, yep. not, not every purchase is going to be a good one. You're going to look back and think, oh, great. Now I have all of these things that I purchased from, you know, to sell on Amazon and they're not selling, right. Yep. You know, your best case scenario is that you can then go and return them to the store, but yeah, that you might be past the point of doing so. And so now you're stuck mm-hmm. with it and you just have to eat it, right? Maybe at the end of the day, you even have to just donate those items and write them off as a loss. Mm-hmm. So I, I, to- I, I totally understand that feeling. It's very difficult to do so. And then I can only imagine, right? You mentioned that it's just you, right? You said mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast that you're a an S-I-N-K, a sing, what it, right? Single sink. income, <laughs> no kids, single income, no kids. I love that. You're a sink. And so <laughs> because of that, you know, this income is, even if we want to say it's part-time or full-time or side income, whatever you want to say about it, mm-hmm. it's important income mm-hmm. because it's helping you pay all of your bills or contribute to all of your bills. And so yeah, I, I do understand that. I think a lot of people listening will probably understand that as well. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of resellers that I that I really respect talk about how they feel like after they've, you know, sold the inventory and paid the bills, they're putting everything back into inventory. And like I get it. I get it because I've I haven't taken anything from the business aside from money I put toward the house. 
in four years. I, I haven't taken a dollar from the business. The business has bought things for the business, you know, things that are considered write-off. Right. And the and the business has paid for the business, but I haven't taken from it. Um, I've only put it back into the business. <laughs> and so I, I get that feeling. I mean, it'll be there if I need it, but for now it's like, you just, I just am trying to make as, as smart of decisions as I can, because sometimes Denali, you will wake up three days before Christmas with Squishmallow Mountain in the corner of your office and an email <laughs> from Amazon that you've been gated. Mm. Gated three days before Christmas, and you are sitting on $3,000 of Squishmallows. And for context, you know that your friends are sitting on 10 to 20 times that amount, and they're also gated, but it doesn't oh, no. change your reality, right? Of like, how do I get ungated again as fast as humanly possible? I need a Christmas miracle so that these Squishmallows will sell the moment people get their Christmas money because now they're not buying them before Christmas. Right. And, you know, and you work together and you all get ungated again. But <laughs> it's scary. It is scary yeah. because you just dropped in the course of like the week before that happened to us in 2021. Yeah. I had dropped like $1,500 on Squishmallow at, at various Walgreens in the metro right. area. <laughs> it's like returning it would just be embarrassing. Like, how do you go back and be like, yeah, excuse me, sir. I would like to bring back these 12 Olafs. Like what? <laughs> yeah. We decided we didn't need them anymore. <laughs> yeah. My, my youth group didn't need them. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I get it. I, that's, would be my biggest fear if I did Amazon is like the fear of having to go and return items would I would just I would sleep on them that would become my new mattress I would somehow find a use in my life for these squish mall I would make clothing out of them that I would then wear for the next 10 years so I I have I have three lemon cake mixes if you need one right now (laughs) and about 17 shampoo bars so right Yeah. See, yeah. And that's the thing is, right. There are these risks that come in business, in this business, whatever, that, you know, it it makes you think twice about making big decisions or purchases or changes in your business because it may mess with your business. So I completely get it. And then sometimes you take the risk and then there's big reward, but it's hard to know in the moment what's going to be the outcome of that. So in saying that, I guess <laughs> my next question for you is where do you see the future of your business going? Here we are talking about the future is unknown, but you know, what are your plans for your business over the next, I don't know, six months to a year? Are there plans or is it just keep chugging along and doing what you're doing? I think that depends on if there's an influx of cash or not. So when I got the Poshmark Heart and Hustle grant, Last year, it enabled me to make some moves really fast. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get a new computer. I was able to buy a clothing rack. I was able to buy $2,500 of inventory really fast Um, and and balloon the business to try to double it. So my, my goal has always been to double it to what it was before I bought the house. So the goal... I. I want to have a $7,000 month on just clothes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really want to have that happen. It hasn't happened yet. 
I got really close to five one time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it will happen, you know, as the economy rebounds a little bit, but I, I want to do that. I would, I would like to hire some help, you know, figure out the VA situation, but I, I think that sales for me need to be uh, just a little bit better um, mm-hmm. for that to happen. I, I travel quite a bit in the summer and, and while I have a friend that takes care of the house and kind of sets aside stuff for shipping as, as the orders come in, they don't ship it. They just pull it. I'll just say, Hey, can you pull this? So when I get home, it's like a pile. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to send stuff to FBA so that when I'm away, I can still make sales on Amazon. But in order to do that, I need to buy a pallet of something. It doesn't have to be a big purchase. I mean, we're talking less than $500, but you know, it's significant. Um, yeah. and I have to prep it. It's going to take time. I have to prep it, send it to Amazon, blah, 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 to hopefully, you know, make money while I'm away. I'm really trying to form some strong relationships with Plato's Closet. I've been doing live sales in there for a year and I did some Instagram takeover for them a couple of weeks ago. And that was, that was cool. Like, and they've, they want me to be a part of their, they do this like back to school event and they want me to do some stuff with them for that. So just, you know, forming strategic partnerships locally. Um, and, and I really want to make eBay my bay. I really do. <laughs> I had it for context. Like I told you before, I had a, you know, experience with eBay when I was younger, I, I had an eBay account that started in like 1999 and mm-hmm. I used to sell beanie babies on it with my brother and buy like Gap and Roxy backpacks, like whatever. I was just having a good old time as a kid or ordering, yeah. ordering things on the internet I didn't need with my paper out money. <laughs> and um, literally, and one day it was before I started reselling, I tried to log into my eBay and it was just gone. Like my oh. was just gone. And if you're not familiar with eBay, if you're listening and you're not familiar, um, the historics of an account carry weight to eBay. So like an older account is better. It's more trusted. So I had this account with all this feedback and then it Mm -hmm. just disappeared one day. And then I contacted eBay and and they didn't know what happened to it. So, you know, four years ago, I started over with eBay and, and really just trying to make it like work for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. So well, it takes time. I mean, you know, four, a four-year-old eBay account, that's better than a four-month-old eBay account at this point. Facts. Facts. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and I'm learning, you know, the tricks of the trade and, and, and learning things. And, you know, everyone's business is different. You really cannot compare. Like I said, like mm-hmm. there's enough for all of us, you know, you do not have to be the first one to dig in the bin. You don't have to take all the good stuff at the store. Like I was at a garage sale this weekend and there were some like, you know, Gen Z kids rolling up next to me. And like, we were both eyeing these uh, Nike air vintage rollerblades, you know, and Mm -hmm. I told the girl, I was like, Hey, I looked them up online. They go for like two 30, but the wheels broken on that. And like, I could kind of tell that we had like a similar taste. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going through the clothing racks and I passed by like a Patagonia and like some other cute little trendy pieces. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave them. Like this girl's going to want it. And what do you know? She got the shirt. And I was like, I left that for you. <laughs> so, 
it's just like, you just don't have to like be a jerk. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to, like, I don't have to win. You don't have to lose for me to win. Yes. And I think that, I mean, you know, I'm a very sarcastic person. Like I'm humorous, you know, my probably a coping mechanism of some kind. And (laughs) I think that if, I think that if people don't know me or don't get to know me, they probably think that I'm just like a mean girl or something, which I mean, low key, like I can be a mean girl, but like, (laughs) but I also don't like to watch people suffer. I don't, you know, I don't like to watch good people like struggle and Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I I just want to see us all win and and I can't compare myself to other people and you can't compare yourself to me. And the first time that somebody tried to compare themselves to me, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. slow yourself <laughs> to this because let me tell you how it really is. It's rough out here." And <laughs> I was like, "And I was you and I am still you." Right. <laughs> like Yeah, I think that there's a misconception that can easily happen on the internet you know, especially, I'm sure in any community, but we're obviously in the reselling community and that just because somebody has been doing it longer and has built a more stable business that somehow, I don't know, you start comparing yourself to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, right, the, the first time that you experienced somebody saying that, you know, they were comparing themselves to you, it's kind of shocking because you don't feel any different than probably the day you started, except that you know a few more things. Yeah. 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 I don't feel any different. And, and I, and I really try to be so transparent with my audience, probably to the point where it's like annoying to other people because like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to create this like perception that things are a way they aren't, you know? And like I tell people, my goal from day one has always been to make a hundred dollars a day. That doesn't mean I mm-hmm. net a hundred dollars a day. It means I do a hundred dollars a day in sales, which is approximately three grand a month, right? Like mm-hmm. that to me is enough. I know that my cost of living bottom line right now is twenty two hundred dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I can make three K, pay my taxes and take home twenty two, I'm ahead. So that's what I want. And like my sales, they're not amazing. Like I'm mm-hmm. not a you know, I'm not buying pallets and running a warehouse and I'm not, and I don't, and I don't want those things, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want a brick and mortar. I don't want, I don't want the responsibility of the warehouse and the lease that comes with it. Like a mortgage is enough for me. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want employees, you know, I've, and I used to make jokes before I, you know, became a business owner. It's, it's so funny to me because I used to always say I am an employee. I am not an employer. I was like, mm-hmm. I could never run a business. I could yeah. never work for myself. Oh my gosh, how stressful. Like you have to come up with everything on your own. That's exhausting. Like just give me a salary. And like, and now that I have a business, I still, I'm like, I don't want employees. I right. don't, I don't want a mortgage on a, or a lease. I don't want a brick and mortar. I don't, I don't want any of those things. If, if you ask me, what do mm-hmm. you want me? What do you want? I want to make six figures selling leggings on the internet and go about my merry little way. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to retire in Palm Desert or in Indio. I want to uh-huh. wear plastic waist pants every day of my life. I want to wake up 
and like look at a lemon tree uh-huh. and, like <laughs> and I want to uh drink cold brew and you know <laughs> I do not want to gaslight girl keep girl boss like I don't want to do those things <laughs> right yeah no I get yeah. it it's very very relatable I totally understand that um <laughs> all I want in life <laughs> very very simple wants in life um you, you know you, you kind of mentioned a few things that's actually in my last question uh you know just kind of giving advice in general right we were talking about like not comparing yourself to others but I guess for my last question you know I would say what advice would you give yourself when you were first starting out, I don't know if it's that or if there's something mm-hmm. else to it. And I guess when mm-hmm. I say starting out, maybe we could think back to the time period of, I don't know, maybe yeah. after you, you graduated yeah. from grad school or you mm-hmm. finished grad school. Yeah. Because that yeah. seems like where it really started to take off. Yeah, that's actually, that's, that's really good. So I, that, that there's a smart way to spend money. And there's kind of a foolish way to spend money. Okay. You don't need a thermal printer out the gate. Now, when I started reselling, thermal printers were like two, three hundred dollars. You can get a thermal printer now for like 60 bucks. There's a link in my bio if you want a discount. Anyway, <laughs> for real. Um, it's cute, it's green. Anyway, you don't need that. You don't need that. I printed labels, slapped them in like customs forms and and stuck those bad boys on priority mail envelopes for months. For years, actually, I didn't get a thermal mm-hmm. printer until 2021. That's not something you need, but automation is something that you need. And mm-hmm. I would have paid for a bot sooner than I did. I have had a bot since 2017, 2018, whenever I figured out on Reddit that you needed to share your closet, but I never paid for it. I, I figured out how to use it without logging in, but I, but I had to go and manually press that button. And click mm-hmm. share. So, you know, I'd be like, I'd be like teaching and I'd have like a 10 minute break and I'd be like, oh, hit the button, like <laughs> share the closet. <laughs> like, right. And I was doing that and making $3,500 a month, pressing mm-hmm. that button 20 times a day, you know, just pay for posture VA y'all just do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> because that's, that's the money I would spend early on. I would pay for Vendu early on. Because the ability to delist and relist, man, that thing is invaluable. Like you can mm-hmm. sell things that have been sitting for a year within minutes if mm-hmm. you get them relisted during a party. You know, like that's the other thing. Relist your stuff during the party, the 7 p.m. party. It's the best time to relist your closet because it goes into the fresh, whatever, prime time. Just all the extras. You don't need all the extras. You don't need the bells and whistles. You don't need the stickers, the fancy poly mailers, the you, you don't need all that. You know, you, uh, my first ring light clipped on my phone, mm-hmm. like, and I took pictures on a yoga mat and guess what? I sold leggings for $35 to people at the gym. Like you're fine. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that fancy, but don't be afraid to spend the money. Don't be afraid to pay up to give yourself a dollar amount. Okay. Like don't, don't think about the context of the flip. Like I'm not saying go and spend your last $80 on a pair of Gucci shoes that are going to sell in six months for three fifty. dollars mm-hmm. uh, What I'm saying is, you know, dojo jeans have a really fast sell-through rate. Okay. You can pay $16 for those jeans. They're going to sell for 90 within the month. You know, like, don't be afraid to pay up. One time I was at Plato's with a close friend that I taught to resell. Basically, she's trying to learn a lot about Levi's. I don't know a lot about Levi's 
And she brings me this jacket and she was like, this is a selvage jacket. I was like, what does that mean? She was like, oh, it's the seams and it's worth, mm-hmm. you know, and she dated it for me. She was like, yeah, I've been learning a lot about this on Google. And, and she was like, you, you should get this. And so I look it up and I, I ask another friend that's um, really good at Levi's. She was like, oh yeah, that'll sell for like 200 easy. And mm-hmm. the jacket was 20 bucks. And my friend didn't want to buy the jacket because it was 20 bucks. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'll buy the jacket. Right. Oh, for 250. And I was like, don't be afraid to make those obvious choices. So, right. Yeah. Some choices are more obvious than others, you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else I would, I would tell people, but, but uh, what would you tell, but what would you have told yourself? Is there something back then that you look back on that maybe, because you said you were already using a bot. So you're kind of a, ahead of the curve there. It it but took there... me a long time to like pay for it though. Like it took oh, me, okay. it took me until like the clubhouse days to like pay for it. Mm. You know, when everybody came out and was like, oh yeah, we're using bots. And I was like, <laughs> I've been using a bot for like three years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, like side eye me, but I, I paid for it. <laughs> and it was when I started paying for it that I was like, I just gave myself so much time back. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. And I can use this thing to drop prices during closet clear out and raise the prices back up and I'll send all those automatic emails to everybody like your item gets discounted shipping and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, like use like work smarter, not harder and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and make those investments as you have the cash to do it. Like I didn't buy the ring light until I had the cash to do it. I think I actually got my first real ring light. Hear me out with, do you remember when flip gave us those credits? for like oh, okay for what did we even have to do like post about it on our story and they gave us an yeah. Amazon card? okay yeah 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 <laughs> that's when I bought my first ring light <laughs> right well but it makes sense and I, I think that that's a great piece of advice is that when you have the money for it after you've started you know you've sold items take the capital and then that's when the reinvest comes in and reinvest yeah. in tools that make sense because mm-hmm. You know, I do think I fell into a group of resellers or people <laughs> in general that I bought things that I look back on and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't need that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I bought a backdrop, which oh, I yeah. did not need that. Ah, I bought need all that. a, I bought a dress form. Mm-hmm. I did not need that. And, oh, nope, and that's nope. not to say that mm-hmm. there aren't people out there who need that or would enjoy using that it's I guess at the same time it is hard to know like is that going to be something that you find valuable in your business and so but I think I I wish I maybe had waited longer you know what I don't own what I don't own a steamer oh I own a few if you want one (laughs) I'm good no I'm good I don't own a steamer yeah I I didn't buy the Hulkin bag until I started doing live thrifting and I was like, man, that bag will be really handy right now. Right. <laughs> you know, because the little carts were like falling over at Plato's. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I just bought things. And because of my following that kind of, you know, crept up on Instagram over a few years, a printer company actually wanted to work with me. So I ended mm-hmm. up getting my printer for free. Um, nice. I would still be out here printing like little labels on my, you know, adopted HP scanner thing that I got from mm-hmm. I mean when I tell you that we have piecemealed together this business to know <laughs> my first clothing rack my first clothing rack 11.99 at Ikea 
Okay. Oh, you got one of the Ikea ones. That's the worst of them all. I know, but you know what? I still got her. And when she leans against the wall like that, the lemon wall, it doesn't fall over anymore. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say they always fall over. (laughs) My first ring light, like I said, was a clip on to my phone. I didn't get a new one until that broke. Like, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, when it breaks, fix then it. fix it. No, I get it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you do. You do have to be scrappy. When the other thing it. that I would recommend to anybody is what I like to call the bot top. The bot top is a refurbished Chromebook that I bought on eBay for $50. Mm-hmm. That all it does is never turns off, runs yeah. pop- Okay, runs Debob. Why? Because I don't want my Mac on all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't want my Mac. So I got my little bot top over there. <laughs> and it, but again, it's me. not it's not a need. But when you have the money, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I get it. It was cheap. It was a write off. You write it right. off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. A write off. <laughs> it's a write off. That's a that's a slippery slope when you start making that statement. No, I know. You could spend all your profit. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just so funny. And then you told me about Timu. And, oh. I, got, and I got a, I have three thermal printers now. From Timu? Oh my God. No. Sounds no, like you're I ready have, for a giveaway. I know. I have, a, I have one from Timu, purple one in the box that I have. Yes. An and then the company I work with off Nova, you know, they sent me the original that they made a couple years ago, 2021. And it's, you know, pretty standard, does everything. But then they, they, they gave me the new one. It's green and very pretty, very stylish. Ooh. Why aren't you selling that? Why, why are you hoarding thermal label well, printers? I'm going to explain. I'm going to oh, okay. explain because the two that I got here, the, the original one prints my four by sixes and the new green one prints my Amazon labels and like my stickers. And I don't okay. have to change the label size. Oh, that's true. I just go back and forth with them. Okay, well, that's two. Didn't you say you have three or four? Yeah, that's a backup. <laughs> that's a backup. That's that's called your insurance policy, Denali. Uh, okay, all right, all right. Policy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, V. This has been such a fun conversation. I feel like I know so much more about Lululemon at the very least but also about your journey and the house that reselling built. I was going to say a platform, but I think it's just reselling as whole as a whole. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting and fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Are we best friends now? Absolutely. I mean, that's oh just, yeah, that's a requirement after I finish every interview. So yeah, I'm glad you're in agreement on it. You're my new best friend. Call me every five minutes. <laughs> Done deal. All right. Well, Yay. I I'll talk to you in five minutes then. Okay. Follow me on Instagram. Tell your friends. Okay. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, V. Bye. Thanks again to V for being on this week's episode of the podcast. Again, you can find V on Instagram under the username Tell Your Friends Sportswear, and all of her links will be in the show notes of this episode for you. I hope you all have a wonderful and safe 4th of July. And until we meet again next time, keep on listing and keep on selling.